During the busyness of the last week of Jesus' life on earth, there was an obscure incident that took place, one that could easily be overlooked in between the triumphal entry on one Sunday and the resurrection on the next Sunday. The story is recorded in Matthew 21, verses 18 and 19, where it says, In the morning as Jesus was returning to Jerusalem, He was hungry, and He noticed a fig tree beside the road. He went over to see if there were any figs on it, but there were only leaves. Then He said to it, May you never bear fruit again. And immediately, the fig tree withered up. (laughs) I don't want you to miss those words there. But there were only leaves. Now actually, Mark's account of this very same story tells us that this was because it was not the season for there to be figs. <laughs> Which makes you even scratch your head a little more and say, well then why would Jesus curse a barren fig tree out of season? And obviously, I think it was intended as an object lesson. And among other things, I think Jesus intended to teach us the importance of bearing fruit in our lives that is never, ever out of season. You see, a fruit tree is known by its fruit, not by its leaves. And likewise, a follower of Jesus Christ is known by his or her fruit and not by his or her leaves. That is, we're known by the fruit of our inner character, not by the leaves of our outer appearance. And when Jesus inspects our lives... He expects, in fact, to find fruit, not just leaves. Jesus Himself put it this way, John 15, verses 8 and 16. Let's read this out loud together. Would you read it with me? This is to My Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be My disciples. I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Well, this morning we're beginning a new series of lessons based upon the fruit of the Spirit. Nine virtues of the Christian life that are found here in Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. So follow along in your Bible as I read these two key verses today. Galatians 5, we pick up Paul's words in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Over the next nine Sundays leading up to Advent, we're going to take an in-depth look at the fruit of the Spirit, the kind of lasting fruit that Jesus is looking for in our lives. These nine virtues that honor God and that authenticate that we are indeed true, Spirit-filled, christ followers. Today we want to focus on the very first virtue of the inner character of a Christ follower. Galatians 5.22 begins, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Now, certainly that should be no surprise to anyone that these nine virtues would begin with love. After all, when Jesus was asked what is the greatest commandment of all, He simply replied, love God, love others. Love God, 
Love others. If we're living by the Spirit and we're keeping in step with the Spirit, as Paul puts it in Galatians 5.25, the very first fruit that we will produce before and above all others is love. Agape love. Now we simply cannot talk about love from a biblical perspective without going to the love chapter in the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So would you turn there in your Bible with me because we're going to spend the rest of our time there this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's on page 1785 in the Pew Bible. We call it the love chapter for a reason because it's all about love. Now, once again, follow along in your Bible as I read. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we pick it up with verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Down to verse 13 at the end of the chapter. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And so Galatians begins, the fruit of the Spirit is love. As we ponder this first fruit of the Spirit, as we take a deeper look here in 1 Corinthians 13 and this virtue of love together, let's begin with the priority of love. In the first three verses of 1 Corinthians 13, the Apostle Paul makes certain that we understand without a doubt the priority of love. Because number one, Without love, all that I say is ineffective. Without love, all that I say is ineffective. Look at verse 1 of the Living Translation. It says, If I could speak in any language in heaven or on earth but didn't love others, I would only be making a meaningless noise like a loud gong or a clanging cymbal. We live in a world of words and communication. Smartphones, newspapers, magazines, TV, email, the internet. Our lives depend upon the words that we speak and hear and read. But God says that words without love are empty. Communication without love is nothing but static noise. Now, the Corinthians thought that they were really something special. I mean, they said, we can speak in the tongues and languages of men and of angels. And God tells them here that they're majoring on minors. You can be the most skilled communicator on the face of the earth, but if you don't communicate with love, you are nothing. Zero. Zilch. Without love, all that I say is ineffective. Number two, without love, all that I know is incomplete. Without love, all that I know 
is incomplete. Notice what Paul writes at the beginning of verse 2. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I knew all the mysteries of the future and knew everything about everything, but didn't love others, what good would I be? You see, you can be a genius. You can have incredible knowledge. You can have all kinds of letters after your name. But if you don't love, you're really not any good to anybody. You could be a walking encyclopedia. You could memorize the entire Bible forwards and backwards. I mean, you could split a theological hair 16 different ways. You could have the answers to all of the questions. But God says if you don't have love, it doesn't matter. 1 Corinthians 8 and verse 1 tells us that knowledge puffs up. Love builds up. <laughs> Got to think about that one for a minute. In other words, a right heart is a whole lot better than a right head. We're living in the midst of a knowledge explosion today. In fact, I read just this last week, I was sharing with somebody the other night, that we, according to experts, only have 3% of the knowledge right now that we will have in 2025. Think about that for a minute. Only 3% of what we know now will know 97% more 10 years from now, 2025. But are any of the basic questions of man being answered? Are any of the problems in our world being solved? No. Why? Because we don't need more knowledge. (laughs) We need more love. Without love, all that I know is incomplete. Number three, without love, all that I believe is insufficient. Without love, all that I believe is insufficient. In the last part of 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 2 we read, and if I have the gift of faith so that I could speak to a mountain and make it move, without love, I'd be no good to anybody. There's a misconception, I think, that being a Christian is merely believing certain truths, adhering to certain doctrines, following certain traditions and rituals. People will say, I'm a Christian, I believe in Jesus. Well, so what? So does Satan. (laughs) I mean, what really matters is do you love Jesus? And do you love others in Jesus' name? Because Christianity is a lifestyle. It is a lifestyle of love. Read Galatians 5 and verse 6 out loud with me. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Some of us, I think, need to put this on our bathroom mirror so that we would see it every morning when we get up and every night before we go to bed. Some of us need to write this out on a sticky note and put it on the dashboard of our car or on our refrigerator door. Maybe we need to make it a screensaver on our computer screen. The only thing that matters or that counts is faith expressing itself through love. What I believe, faith, is in fact important. But without love, it is nothing. Without love, all I believe is insufficient. Number four, without love, all that I give is insignificant. All that I give is insignificant. Look at the first part of 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 3. It says, If I gave away all that I owned, I would gain nothing unless I loved others. Don't miss that word all here, by the way. It's not talking here about a tithe or an offering. It's talking about all. 
You can give away everything that you have, but if you give without love, it all adds up to a big fat zero. Because you see, we can give with the wrong motive. Some people give for recognition to get their name up in lights. Some people give for power so they can control others. Some people give out of obligation, some out of guilt, some to get something in return. The point is, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. Without love, all that I give is insignificant. Number five, without love, all that I accomplish is inadequate. All that I accomplish is inadequate. Notice how the Living Bible paraphrases the latter part of verse 3. If I were burned alive for preaching the Gospel but didn't love others, it would be of no value whatever. Wow. What's Paul driving at here? You can rack up a list of impressive achievements. You can be successful at many, many different things. You could be listed in who's who in Christianity. You could even sacrifice your life for the greatest cause on the face of this earth, the Gospel of Jesus Christ. A martyr. But without love, it simply has no eternal value. One day, you see, God is going to do an audit on your life and He's not going to look at your bank account or your trophy case or your charitable giving list or your list of accomplishments for that fact. He's going to ask you, did you love me and did you love others? That's it. Without love, all that I accomplish, even if I were to give my life, is inadequate. Now let me summarize everything that we've discovered about the priority of love from these three verses at the beginning of 1 Corinthians 13. I can have the eloquence of an orator. I can have the knowledge of a genius. I can have the faith of a miracle worker. I can have the generosity of a philanthropist. I can have the dedication of a martyr. But if I don't have love, it doesn't count. It is useless. You see, Paul uses a point of emphasis here that we call repetition. And in five different ways, he's telling us one simple truth. He doesn't want us to miss the point. And what is the point? We'll fill in the blank there in your note. Life minus love equals zero. Life minus love equals zero. Whatever we say or know or believe or give or accomplish is nothing without love. Life minus love equals zero. We simply cannot miss this very important truth. Okay, now that we've established the priority of love, let's move on to the practice of love. And let's begin by reading Colossians 3 and verse 14 out loud together. Would you read this with me? Most of all, let love guide your life. (laughs) Let love guide your life. In other words, we are to let love be the motivation or the catalyst for everything that we do and say and think. So how do we do that? How do we put love into practice in our daily lives? Well, let me give you two keys, two words here to help us sum up the practice of love. The first word would be the word interpretation. We talk about love, we read books about love, we sing songs about love, we watch movies about love, but do we really understand what true agape love is? 
I mean, how can we practice love if we don't know what it is or how it behaves? <laughs> well, there's no doubt in my mind that the best interpretation of love is given to us right here in the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. In fact, in verses 4-8, through 8, the Bible describes better than any dictionary ever could what love is and is not. In fact, follow along in your Bible once again. I want to reread Paul's checklist of these nine basic characteristics here in 1 Corinthians 13. We pick it up with verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. So as we put true agape love into practice, here's what it looks like. Paul says love is patient, so it practices patience. Love is kind, it practices kindness. It does not envy, that is, it practices goodwill. It does not boast, it is not proud, it is not self-seeking. That is to say that it practices humility. It is not rude. Love practices courtesy. It is not easily angered. It practices self-control. It keeps no record of wrongs. It practices forgiveness. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. That is, it practices truthfulness. It always protects, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. In other words, it practices dependability. Now, I'm not going to take the time to uh, expand on those characteristics today. Why? Because first, I believe they're pretty self-explanatory in and of themselves. I mean, what does true agape love look like? It practices patience, kindness, goodwill, humility, courtesy, self-control, forgiveness, truthfulness, and dependability. You can read the list there in 1 Corinthians 13 yourself. These basic characteristics are not hard to understand. But the second reason why I'm not going to expand on these characteristics here is did you notice that this list here in 1 Corinthians 13, 4-8 is very similar to the list of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5? Verses 22 and 23. In fact, some of the same words are used in both lists, like patience, kindness, self-control. Others could be synonyms like dependability and faithfulness. Aren't they the same thing? And so for today's purposes, let me just make two important observations from this interpretive list of love's quality. First of all, I want us to notice that love is a matter of conduct. (laughs) Love is a matter of conduct. It's not just words. Love is something we do. Love is a verb. <laughs> and then second, love is a matter of choice. Got to get this one. It's not an emotion. It's not a feeling. You know, it's not like, oh, I fell in love. <laughs> What's that mean? <laughs> we choose. Hear this. We choose to love or not to love. It's a decision of our will. I was telling somebody the other day, love is in fact a commitment. (laughs) It's a decision. It's a choice. And so the first key word in the practice of love is interpretation. Love is a decision that results in action. Our second key word is the word incarnation. Incarnation. Big word, I know. 
What do I mean by it? Well, the practice of love is to permeate our lives. We're to be living examples of agape love in the flesh. It is to be incarnate, fleshed out in our daily lives. Now, how do we know whether or not love is truly incarnate in our daily lives? Well, here's one secret. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4-8. through Read it again, but substitute your name each time the word love or it appears in the text. In fact, you got your Bible still open? Let's do that right now, okay? I'm going to put my name, Mark, in here. <laughs> but you, while I'm reading it, you put your name in the text, would you? Okay? 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. Mark is patient. <laughs> oh my goodness. I can't even get past the first one. <laughs> Because those of you who know me, man, I struggle with that one right there. Well, let's keep going here. You're, you're putting your name in there? Okay. Mark is patient. Mark is kind. Mark does not envy. Mark does not boast. Mark is not proud. Mark is not rude. Mark is not self-seeking. Mark is not easily angered. Mark keeps no record of wrongs. Mark does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Mark always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Mark never fails. So how'd you do? That's tough, isn't it? But you see, that's the point. The whole point is that love is to be incarnate in us. And the way that we know it is is by just plug your name in there. See how it fits. We've got a long way to go, don't we? In the application of love. So this then is the practice of love. What true agape love is and is not. How we can measure, in fact, whether or not we're fleshing this out in our daily lives. Which brings us to our final point today, and that's the permanence of love. I like the way that J.B. Phillips translates 1 Corinthians 13, verses 7 and 8. In fact, let's read them out loud together. Read it with me, would you? Love knows no limit to its endurance, no end to its trust, no fading of its hope. It can outlast anything. Love never fails. Don't miss that, ver- that phrase there. It can outlast anything. <laughs> love, you see, is permanent. It is eternal. Paul worded it this way, 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. You ever ask yourself the question, why is love the greatest of those? Well, simply because when we get to heaven, we aren't going to need the other two. Think about it with me. I mean, we won't need faith when we get to heaven because our faith will be sight. And we won't need hope when we get to heaven because our hope will be reality. The only one that we will need, the only eternal quality, is in fact love. As the Living Bible puts it in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8, love will last forever. It's permanent. That's why when Jesus was questioned about the greatest commandment of all, again, He simply said, love God, love others. Love God, love others. That applies right now in this life. Here on this earth. But that will apply even in heaven throughout eternity. The permanence of love. The fruit of the Spirit. This morning we focused on this very first virtue of the Christian life. The initial quality of the inner character of a genuine, authentic Christ follower. And that, of course, is 
love. Galatians 5 and verse 22 begins, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Folks, it's no accident that this virtue is listed first and foremost among the fruit. It's there for a reason. And as we've discussed the priority, the practice, and the permanence of love in today's lesson, let me then ask you this question. As Jesus comes to inspect your life for fruit this morning, will He find the fruit of love or will He find just leaves?